Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. I am Kevin. He is Scott. It is Monday after work edition uh, as we're recording a little later than we normally do. I was busy the the rest of the weekend here, luckily. But uh, yeah, we're going to talk about the Minnesota game. You're going to listen to us talk about the Minnesota game. All right. You, You downloaded the podcast. You signed up for this. All right. You're going to listen to it. So we're we're going to do that. We'll get to all of it. We're going to start with the good news. All right? We have good news to share. We're going to start there cuz we're positive people. We're on a we're optimistic. We're we're trying to ride any positive wave of momentum that we can get here. And a guy with just impeccable timing, our new friend Jamari Howard four-star commitment to the class of 2024 a it it would it would be less fitting if it was any other position a corner (laughs) so we welcome jamari howard to the class of 2024 and uh yeah just a impeccable timing by the kid yeah the irony is not lost on us um so I mean, yeah, our our defense might be fixed in three to five years. So let's celebrate. Uh, no, obviously it's good news. Um, it's a stark contrast to the vibes around the program right now, and much needed. If nothing else, Mel Tucker has a knack for timing recruiting news. It always seems like yeah. either when nothing has happened in a long time, or when something, some tough news has come out, or. When we watched a game like that, we get a recruit dropping in to uh, turn the vibes around. So, yeah. yeah. So, background on him: six two one seventy five corner from Miami. Um, offers from again, and this is pretty early on in the recruiting stage for twenty twenty four kids, but already offers from Alabama, from Miami, from Florida State, Texas A and M. Um, this is a big deal. This is a, this is a big recruit now. You know, we all know, we, you know, we'll, I'm just going to start calling them verbals, right? I, I'll, you know, do the, the Graham couch. I'm not even going to say commitment. There's a lot of time left in the class of 2024. We're not stupid. We know. Uh, but to get a verbal from uh, Jamari Howard, 
top 200 guy. It's uh, it's a nice little ray of sunshine on what was otherwise just a very gloomy Monday for for Michigan State fans. So uh, we welcome him in, and uh, we hope that by the time he is uh, eligible and by the time he's playing, that we have a formidable secondary again. Yeah, what more needs to be said? Um, I'd love to have it right now. Let, can he can he suit up? <laughs> Talk to Six his two? guidance counselor. How many high school credits does he have? Is he ready to go? <laughs> Has he taken any AP courses? I don't know. Um, no. So we'll we'll get to uh, we'll get to the game in a second here. Um, I I am curious, Scott, because we I'll give our friend Sean a shout out. Um, Sean is a Michigan State graduate. He was uh, he was with us, lived together. Uh, had a lot of great times together. He is now in Minneapolis and was apparently forced into hosting a tailgate at his place. And uh, needless to say, there were a lot of gophers there. And uh, man, I just, that is, that is a position I don't want to be in ever as a fan when you're surrounded by opposing fans as your team is just getting crushed. But I am curious, Scott, for, for games like this, I'm always curious, like, what, what was the surrounding? Where were you? Who were you with? Um, what, what was the vibe in the, in the Martin household if you were in your household during this uh, viewing experience? Um, it was me and my wife in our apartment. And, uh, yeah, there's not much to it. Got a no, no stuff. added company to see potentially uh, psychopathic behavior. Uh, no, I was going to say every time we watch the game with company, we play really badly, but we did the opposite this week and played really badly also. So I'm not sure that that's correlated. Uh, no, it was just kind of everyday fall weekend, you know, get some stuff done in the morning, get down, uh, watch the second half of kind of the noon slate, getting ready for the game and, I, I did have kind of a dreadful feeling already going into the game. I was like, I don't know. It just didn't sit right with me. I felt overconfident. And uh, yeah, the rest is history. And something like I watched the highlights, right? And I was watching, it was like midway through the third quarter. We're down like 24 nothing um, as I was getting ready to uh, to record here. And I was like, man, it was it was over so early. When you're sitting there watching the game, it's amazing how long you can convince yourself there's like a realistic pathway to get back into that. Like 24 nothing halfway through the third quarter when your offense hasn't done anything and you're you're sitting there like, "Oh, well, okay, it's only three possessions." And I'm like, "Yes, three possessions, but the rest of the game, your defense would have to stop them every <laughs> time and your offense would have to score and get a two-point conversion every time." And the best is how easy it is to spark that too. Like it'll, you'll get a first down, and it'll be like, you know what? <laughs> Back in this thing, we ourselves a ball game. We crossed the fifty. I remember that happened. Like, um, I think it was like halfway through the second quarter or something. It might have even been the third quarter. We finally crossed midfield, and I was like, see, we're things are moving again, and we're down like three scores, and we crossed the fifty. We got twenty five yards in one drive, and I'm like, back in it. Right. Yeah. It's the whole season is turned around. That was the moment, you know, you, you, you find these turning point moments that you're just searching for desperately. 
and you see one moment, you're like, that's that's the one right there. We're going to be looking back at that catch three weeks from now and saying that turned around this season. You know, it's just like a, a nine yard out route. <laughs> just like, what am I doing? I I'm at the point, and I know a lot of you know our parents and stuff were kind of like this. And I used to make fun of people who had this opinion, but now I absolutely have fallen into this, like many kind of quote unquote old person uh, behavior. But one of them is I. I love watching football with a group. I love watching with my friends, with family, with total strangers in a bar. I love watching football with people. I don't love watching my team with people. Because when Michigan State is playing, and it, and it's totally different even from the Lions, because the Lions I, I, I root for, I love the Lions, but I don't have the same emotional attachment at all as I do to Michigan State. When Michigan State's playing, I get so locked into the game that I'm just, I would much rather not have to speak to anybody. And then when it starts going poorly, I'm like, I don't want these people seeing this side of me. You know, like whether, whether it, it depends on the circumstances of the game and how bad it is and what I'm drinking and whatever, but it's either just, anger that i'm typically a very positive easygoing person and and this anger that unleashes that i'm like i don't want people to see this or it's just this deep hole of like borderline depression where my fiance could bring home like the most incredible pizza and bring me beer delivered to my couch and the whole nine yards and i would be like uh okay i guess i'll eat you know it's just I, i'm just so sad i'm like i don't want people around me right now i get in this situation where like you know you know when you're like venting about someone to to a close friend or something and you're just like firing off things that are driving you nuts or whatever and then the the, the person you're venting to like chimes in and, oh yeah i don't like that person because of this and you're like no, no, I can, I can say these things. Like it's, <laughs> it's my girlfriend or it's my mom. Like you don't get to say those things. Yeah, like, right. I'm watching my team and I'm annoyed about something and somebody else like complains about something different that I don't see as the problem. I'm just like, well, you're wrong. And like, <laughs> stop. Like, that's not what we're annoyed about right now. I want to be annoyed about this thing. Yeah. You have to join me on this train. This train has left the station and we're out. You got to be on this one with me. And if you're not, I don't want to be a part of you right now. (laughs) We go to weird places as fans, dude. Yeah. It's Michigan State weekends, especially if you're a Lions fan also. Yeah. I just came out of this weekend like last night, last night being Sunday night. I was just sitting there. I was like, what? why do I do this? Like what football's a zero sum sport. Like for every fan that's happy, there's another fan that's sad, which means it's going to be my turn to be sad 50% of the time. If I watch sports, what's the point? You know, I just right. come out of the weekend. Like I, this is a dumb hobby. Why do I, there's nothing about this is fun. And it's, it's the, the funniest part is too, where you, we work, we all have jobs and I like my job. I really do. But Obviously, I much, much more prefer the weekend than the week because I'm off of work, I'm enjoying whatever, you know, right? And for for this hobby, 
to make it to where my weekend, which should be very precious at this age, is is a dreadful experience. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> why do we do this? Dude? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, and now our uh, significant others are going to be like, well, you can just like, uh, you don't have to do it next weekend. We can just go to the pumpkin nope, patch. I'm, I'm no. dragging her down with me. <laughs> yeah, This is the ship. You bought a ticket on this voyage. You're on the boat now. It's uh, way too late for that. You can spice it up with uh, DraftKings, though, right, Kevin? You can. The last last I checked, <laughs> that is a, an even better way to to enhance your your hobby weekend. I don't know. Um, but they are an official sports betting partner of the NFL, and they have a special promotion for you at DraftKings, of course. You can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win. Just don't do it with the Lions and get $200 in free bets if they do. And if that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100% with payouts bigger than ever. Why bet on football anywhere else? And to make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we're a proud member to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. When you place a $5 bet on any football game, that's code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And as you're streaming your football next weekend, if you are, if you do get talked into doing something outside of, uh, of your couch, you can stream the game on your phone, listen to it on the Raycon wireless earbuds. The Raycon everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever with optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit. They give you eight hours of playtime. They give you 32 hours of battery life for half the price of other premium audio brands. They have over 50,000 five-star reviews. They have three customizable sound profiles, noise isolation, and awareness mode. Go to buyraycon.com today and use code TPPN15 to get 15% off of your Raycon order. That's code TPPN15 at buyraycon.com. Score 15% off. One more time, buyraycon.com, code TPPN15. All right, we're going to rip off the Band-Aid. We're all, we're all in this together. We're all going to do this. Listeners, uh, me and you, Scott, we're, we're going to do it. We're going to talk about the game. And as I look back, I will say that the first thing I notice when I, I pull up the box score and I, I pull up the, the, the game, the end result when I look back on this game in five years will be 34 to 7. That doesn't look that bad. <laughs> it doesn't look nearly as bad as it felt. So... We got that going for us. I'm trying to stay positive. I don't know. I mean, that's, I disagree. Like that's <laughs> bad. And like Minnesota, while I do think they have a chance to be a borderline great team this year, uh, is not the type, like it's not 49 and nothing to Ohio state. Like I can look back at that game last year. I'm like, okay, yeah, well it was Ohio state. They were one of the best teams in the top five team in the country every year over that stretch of years. And we got blasted by them. That's the way it goes sometimes. But like 34, seven to Minnesota, 
I don't know. We'll see how it looks next to the rest of the schedule at the end of this year. And, and we'll see where Minnesota goes, but uh, I mean, Noah Kim saving the day from a 34 to goose egg. I mean, that, that was kind of sweet. I, I guess I view, I still view the game as a shutout. Like I, when I kind of woke up on Sunday and I was like, ah, we got shut out. And then it was like, Oh wait, no, technically I guess we like, I, in my head, we got shut out on Saturday. Yeah, I the seven is deceptive. I mean, backups came in. You know, it's a that's like your varsity team in high school gets shut out, but the JV team scored, and so you're like, well, you know, the whole week wasn't a loss. That like, no, no, that doesn't count. You, yeah, I mean, it. We almost did, and then Peyton Thorne fumbled it. Uh, just so everyone knows, we're gonna we're gonna rip this bandaid off. We're gonna get through it here for next 15, 20 minutes or so. And then we're going to try to shift a little bit towards like, what should our expectations be? Maybe some questions about the future and stuff, but we are going to have to get through some mud here. I mean, there's just going to be a certain degree of just shoveling mud out of our way. So uh, (laughs) yeah, I mean, coming into this one, Kevin, what was the worst, what was your floor for this game from an perspective? Yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll start with for those who didn't listen to the picks podcast. So we, you know, we set it up every week. We do the same thing. I know we have some new listeners, you know, that weren't here last year. Mondays, we recap the previous game. Wednesdays, we preview the the upcoming game. And then Friday, we give you the picks. So Wednesday, we just preview the whole game. We talk about the matchups, where we're, you know, what could be good, what could be bad, et cetera. And then Friday, we actually make the picks. If you didn't listen, I picked us to lose. I picked Minnesota to win the game. I thought worst case scenario is like a 30 to 17, you know, 28 to 14 kind of, you know, we just, we, we got a bunch of injuries on defense and it, you know, Minnesota, I, again, I, I predicted Minnesota to win the West. I knew that that was a good football team we were playing, but you know, maybe, Hey, we just don't have the horses this year. The team isn't great. And we're dealing with a lot of injuries and Minnesota is a good team. 28, 14, 30 to 17, something like that, you know, but a reasonably competitive football game. This was so far outside of my range of outcomes. It, it didn't even cross my radar that it could be this bad of just a total beatdown. I I think that 34 points for Minnesota is like if you asked me last week after what we saw in Washington, like could Minnesota do that? I'd be like, yeah, I mean, I don't think they will, but I mean it's, it's we've seen this defense for two years now. It's the offensive side that is just the wheels are are coming off this train. I mean Seven points from the backups against the backups. We're going to set that aside right now. If you look at the drives that the starters had, I mean, we're talking about punt, punt, interception, punt, fumble, interception, punt. And only one of those drives was more than 30 yards. Yeah, I was going to say less, for sure, less than 200 yards of offense before Kim came in. So, and like... Yeah, we talked about it in the preview that we think Minnesota is a defensive-led team, and they they they've learned to play really consistent, really disciplined defense under uh, PJ Fleck, and they've they've 
become a, a really solid defense. But I thought we had enough weapons to do like to, to do something to have a pulse in this one. And uh, that's when you look at this season versus last and, and what we know about, obviously last year we won a lot of games and you have the Kenneth Walker effect. But if you take Kenneth Walker out, you take the 11 wins out, just looking at the like play by play performance of these two teams. Um, it's just, it's really hard to understand how they played well, so well last year. And we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. I think, where you really start to see it now is in the trenches and like set aside Jacoby Winman's five and a half sacks against cupcakes, whatever. Last year we had seniors all over the place on our, on our lines, seniors who'd been playing together for a really long time, seniors who know they weren't all Americans, but they had a lot of experience playing big 10 football um, again, under good coaches against good teams. And we led the big 10 in sacks last year, which, prevented some of the bleeding on defense on the offensive side. You had a good enough offensive line and an eraser like Kenneth Walker to move the ball and open up the passing game. And the, the lines on both sides of the ball have just disappeared. I mean, the, the offensive line's not getting a push according to Mel Tucker. Some holes are opening up that he's seeing in film. I'm still not seeing them, but he's knows a hell of a lot more about football than me. Um, and on the defensive side, I mean, they're just getting blown off the ball just blown off. So yeah, I mean, you saw it this week. I'm just kind of ranting at this point and rambling, but I mean, we know how important line play is in the big 10 and uh, against Minnesota, it was stark that, that we've taken a step back on both sides of the ball. Yeah. And and I do want to like kind of bring it back to the offense because we'll get to the defense, but I want to make sure that we, we spend time talking about the, like, the longest rush of the entire game was nine yards. The longest completion before a garbage time touchdown to Jeremy Bernard was 18 yards. We didn't have a single play over 20 yards. I mean, I know Kenneth Walker isn't here anymore, and I know Jalen Naylor isn't here anymore, but when you have Keon Coleman and Jaden Reed playing an entire football game, you can't have a whole game go by where you don't have a single offensive play go over 20 yards. That is insane to me. And Jaden Reed was, what are we doing here? I mean, is, is he on the field? Are are we going to try to get him the ball? He, he had his first target, like end of the first half. I mean, this is your best player. This is your, the best player on your football team, and he's back in the game. Give him the ball, and if you're not going to give him the ball, just rest him on the sideline and keep him healthy. I that was one of those things in the first half where I kept saying, like, is he even on the field? It, it just it's it's amazing to me how a an offensive coordinator went from a year ago building an entire game plan around singling out the best players on your offense routinely game after game after game after game and finding ways to make sure that plays are designed to give them the football. Obviously Kenneth Walker was the running back. You just had to hand it to him. There wasn't really too much necessary creativity there. But think of how many of the, you know, fourth and one, 
against Michigan, screw it. Let's just run a fade route to Jaden Reed because he's, you know, our second best player and we trust him to make a play. So we're going to design a play. We're going to put the ball in his hands and we're going to, you know, we're going to live and die by that decision. And just for whatever reason, it feels like he has gotten gun shy on doing that this year. I don't see an eagerness. I don't see like a a necessity from the the game planning standpoint to hey, let's get the ball in Jaden Reed's hands. Let's get the ball to Keon Coleman. Let's force some one on one matchups. And I am not a good enough play designer, play caller, football mind to know the best ways to do that. That's why these guys are getting paid a whole hell of a lot more than me to do it. I watched Alabama with a loaded roster. You know, this is nothing about like, oh, let's just single out Alabama. I watched defenses game plan the entire week to stop Devontae Smith the year that he won the Heisman. The entire week of defensive coordinators was spent, how do we stop this guy? We'll double team him. We will triple team him. We'll put a safety over the top to help him. And Alabama routinely that year, and Steve Sarkeesian was the offensive coordinator, found ways to get him the ball, even if he was getting double covered. Even they, they got creative with their motions. They got creative with alignments with moving guys around we just it feels like of all the frustrating things about jay johnson this year and i know a lot of people have a lot of them i the thing that frustrates me the most is that it just seems like he's just trying to jam his game plan into the playbook and by hook or by crook we're gonna run these plays because damn it these are my plays like Look, you just got to tailor your game plan around your talent. And right now, your talent is the two wide receivers that are lined up on the outside. And you got to find more creative ways to get them the football than what we've seen through four weeks. The play calling as the season's worn on, on the offensive side, it's they're calling plays as if our offense was built around efficiency around consistency, around getting five to eight yards of play and knowing if you do that over and over, you're going to get your first downs, which will lead to the red zone, which will lead to touchdowns. Nowhere on the field do we have the right players to play like that, especially with our offensive line. They want to establish the run. Fine. I get it. I know establishing the run, especially in the Big Ten, is as important as anything, but... There also comes a time on Saturdays when you've been trying to establish the run for a couple of drives and it's not happening. And it's very clear that you're not going to establish the run first and something else is going to have to open up the field for you. And they're not the, the, the plays that are being called are not giving us any chance to be explosive. They're not giving us, I've said this before, they're not giving our best players the opportunity to show that they're better than the guy across from them. They're saying, throw the ball a three-yard hitch route and then see if you can make three guys miss to get a first down. Throwing a three-yard under to Keon Coleman is not utilizing our talent. 
There's no looking down the field. Peyton Thorne is only sacked once. It's not like we're not getting protection. It's not like he can't avoid pressure. It's not like he's not getting time to look down the field. They're just not going down there. Yes, they missed a deep ball to Jaden Reed that that we consistently hit last year. I get that. There was that. I think it was that was his first target, right? It was that deep post uh, between bracketed coverage and Peyton Thorne overthrew him because that's what Peyton Thorne does this year. And maybe that's why we're not going down the field. But playing this hyper efficiency, try to pound the rock and try to get the ball out to the outside quickly and have your receivers make two, three guys miss to get any meaningful gain is not how this team's going to win. It's becoming more and more clear. The game, the way to win with this team is to put them in a position to make big plays. And maybe that'll spark something. Maybe that'll only lead to 14 points in the game, but it'll sure as hell give us a better chance to get the zero off the scoreboard before the fourth quarter. Yeah, and, and last year we got frustrated with like, you know, like we can't really sustain these drives and the explosive plays are great, but they're it's not really sustainable when you don't have Kenneth Walker anymore. And now we don't have Kenneth Walker anymore. And not just the running game explosive plays, which I expected to kind of disappear. I didn't I knew we weren't gonna get the 70 yard rushing touchdowns. But those deep shots to Jaden Reed, the deep shots to Jalen Naylor, I'm like, well, we still have Jaden Reed. And if Keon Coleman is as good as everybody's saying he is, then we should still hit plenty of those explosive passing plays. And it just it feels like that is completely evaporated from the playbook. And whether that again, whether that's a protection issue and Thorne doesn't have time to get his eyes downfield or is Jaden Reed more hurt than we than we think he is, and he was really battling through it, and you know, more he was more of a decoy. You know, I I don't know, I don't have those answers, but it is just really frustrating to see such a lack of creativity, creativity. and and just like try something different. And you know, we'll talk about the same damn thing on the defense too, but it's just like just just try something you know i i don't want the flea flickers anymore because i know those aren't going to work but last year we we did flea flicker you know just just do something out of the ordinary to make a defense at least keep it you know at, at least keep a defense honest and and keep the linebackers and safeties wondering what you're going to do next so that they hesitate for that half a step rather than just attacking that inside zone again like just just keep them thinking, keep them guessing for a half a second, and it just it we're just not doing that. And and I ultimately I think that lands on the play caller, who I think has done a terrible job through four games. Yeah. Now he built up some good karma last year. He built up some nice credit. His credit score was you know coming out of into the year. His credit score was up in the seven hundreds. You know, he's, he was in a good spot, but through four weeks, he missed a couple car payments and, you know, stacked up a little bit more debt. Like the credit score is going down. All right. It's, it's not at the point where we're going to deny him credit anymore, but it's, it's definitely starting to, you know, the bankers are pulling up the credit report and being like, Oh, Mr. Johnson, uh, what's, what's going on here, buddy? Like, what? <laughs> we got to start paying off these bills. Yeah, the uh, there's a lack of creativity. That's definitely what sticks out to me. And 
at this point to bridge from offense to defense, just a complete lack of confidence anywhere right now. You know, you can tell in the way that Jay Johnson's calling plays, he's not confident in Peyton Thorne to go down the field. He's not confident in the running game, although he continues to try to pound the rock inside the tackles. That's another thing. We're not even trying to get outside the tackles. Um, when we know our interior offensive line, our whole offensive line struggled in run de- uh, run blocking. Jeez, I'm even struggling. Um, but there's no confidence, and you can see in the way that they're taking the field. You can see in the way that they're trying to tackle, trying to cover, trying to push the ball down the field. And if we're going to to bring up everyone who deserves a little bit of flack here, I mean Peyton Thorne we went into this season really excited to see what he could do. And, you know, this is his team to lead. Let's see if he can do it. Just like Jay Johnson through four games, there's far more questions than we had in the summer about his ability to elevate a team. I mean, right now it seems like when the pressure cranks up, he gets significantly worse Um, and he doesn't have anybody. There's no saving grace. You know, there's no white knight coming in to, to save the day. Um, or is there? <laughs> find out next week <laughs> in wherever Maryland is, College Park. Um, yeah, so there's just a total lack of confidence, and you can see that in the way that they play. And confidence is a funny thing. It's, a, you know, momentum. We use the word momentum in sports all the time. All momentum is is, is confidence, right? It means your team's playing with all the confidence, the other team's not. Uh, those deep balls to, to Jaden Reed, you see a couple drop in, your confidence goes up and everything, you know, comes with it. So the problem is the only way to build confidence is to start executing properly again and to start seeing the dominoes fall in your favor again. And it's a really, it's a tough catch 22 to be in. It's like the only way to make it better is to dig yourself out of it through just effort and focus and discipline and a couple strokes of luck, hopefully. Um, but yeah, the offense has now joined the defense in the depths of misery. Uh, and maybe Minnesota is just one of the better defenses we'll face this year. I think that's possible. I, I, I'm fairly confident that that part alone is true, that this is one of the three best defenses we're going to play all year. Now, are they a top three defense in America? Probably not, but this is a very, very, very good defense well-coached defense. So now you go to the other side, to our defense against Minnesota. And coming into this game, we're thinking, well, we match up a little better. You know, this defense struggles, but Tanner Morgan's no Heisman candidate, and they like to run the ball, and our run defense historically has been our strength if we have one on the defensive side. So maybe that'll keep us in it. And hey, to our credit, Minnesota scored five less points than Washington, so maybe we did match up better on defense um nobody wanted nobody wanted to hit mo ibrahim and i like i can't blame him i mean listen if i went head to head i'd be in the hospital (laughs) but also i'm not trying to make it to the nfl hitting people um they i cannot remember the last time a michigan state defense was dominated so physically i mean say what you want about the secondary and the coverage and and quarterbacks tearing us up and Tanner Morgan did Tanner Morgan tore us up, but they didn't need him. They could have, they could have pulled an air force or an army and run the ball 40 times. And they still would have beat us by 20. They, they ran, they just 
crushed our face every play. And again, with the confidence, it led to timid coverage. It led to a lack of desire to make contact, a lack of effort in the trenches. I mean, we were out physical in our own house at by a wide margin. You know, what's funny is when you it, in the confidence as a fan, when you look at, let's go back 2013, 2014, 2015, like the great Michigan state defenses. When you lined up pre-snap and you're watching the broadcast angle and you see that 11 guys in green and you're, the way that you mentally interpret the defense lining up, you try to, before the ball is snapped, do you see how everybody's lined up? And you think there's no way that they're going to gain yards. Look at all the guys on defense, and there's not that much space to cover. And when we know that these these four guys on the defensive line are beasts and they're only going to give you so much time, and there's there's no space. Like, what are you gonna do? How do you do anything against that? And that's just your mentally kind of snapshot pre-snap. And now this this same you could line up in the same formation. And I would say, like, look at all these giant holes. Like, just he's just gonna snap it and throw it to that guy. It's gonna be so easy, and they're gonna they're gonna gain nine yards. You I know, was, it's just like <laughs> I was routinely watching the game going. We can't have 11 guys on the field. That can't. We have to every be missing snap guys. of the last two weeks. I've said this. You're just like, are we just, are we getting fooled? Are we, what's what? There's no way that there are 11 guys here Rugby seven because there are three one. guys who are wide open. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And to Scotty Hazleton's credit, I hesitate to use that word, but. To Scotty Hazleton's credit, they did mix up coverage this week. You know, it felt like in that first quarter, he was like, fine. You want to see press man <laughs> watch. And for the first <laughs> quarter and and sprinkled throughout the game, they put those corners in press coverage. If you want, if you want a full encapsulation of what just happened on Saturday, look up the highlights. And I'm not going to ask you to look up. I'm not going to ask you to watch the whole video. We did that for you. But if you want to see Saturday in one play, and I hate to single a guy out, but this stuck out to me. Go to the highlights and watch Minnesota's first play from scrimmage. It was a run, but that doesn't matter. Or no, it was a pass, but not to this area of the field. Watch Chuck Brantley lined up in press man against the guy across from him, the receiver, and just watch. Chuck Brantley, he went in for the smoke. He did his damnedest, but his 170 soaking wet stature he got blown up he ended up on his face running the wrong direction with the receiver sprinting down the sidelines 10 yards behind him and from that point on in press man he refused to make any contact at the line of scrimmage and i don't know a whole lot about football but i do know if you're playing press man you better get your hands on your receiver who's across from you after the snap he they were getting free releases the rest of the game just one of the examples of them just getting blown up physically the whole game and after that no matter what press man cover two cover three cover four blitzing whatever it was nothing worked and at a certain point like you got to try to see it from scotty hazelton and mel tucker's perspective of like 
they might just not have any horses. Like the cabinets might still just be barren on that side of the ball. And I think that's the scariest thought as a fan, right? It's like, cause you, you try to do the whole chicken and egg thing where it's like, all right, is it the player or is it the scheme? You're like, well, if it's, if it's the scheme, then that doesn't really fully make sense because like, other defenses have ran this system out of this formation and this cover concept and done a pretty darn good job. Maybe not the best defenses we've ever seen, but they've been productive. They've been good. And so you're like, well, that doesn't really make sense unless we're teaching this weird variation of it that just is exclusive to us, which doesn't seem very logical because they're really special. Right, like there, there are only so many defensive things that that are done in a in a normal football game. Like coaches aren't out here reinventing the wheel; it's all slight variations of the same core five principles. And so it it just doesn't really add up that it's a hundred percent just a scheme thing. And if we just teach a different scheme, then all of a sudden we're going to be good. And then, well, that doesn't really make sense. And then you look at, well, maybe there's the players suck. But then you're like, I Amir Speed started games for Georgia. I know it wasn't very many. And I know that last year for the Georgia defense, the corner was the weakest spot. But you don't start games on defense at Georgia if you suck. Just plain and simple, right? And then there are guys up and down the the line. We've seen Simeon Barrow be a beast. We know he doesn't suck. We've seen Cal Halliday play really well. We know he doesn't suck. Like there are there are varying degrees of like, is this player great? Is he good? Is he average? But individually, you single out all of these guys and you're like, good, bad, indifferent. I don't really see a whole lot of guys who are just straight up bad individually. There there are a couple. I don't want to single them out right now. But for the most part, you look across the defense and you're like, oh, at least they're average. I'm not saying this should be a top 30 defense based on the talent, especially not without Darius Snow and Xavier Henderson and Jacob Slade. But it's like, you you can't give me a top 70 performance you can't give me a top 80 performance. Like, I'm not asking for much. I know we're dealing with injuries, but it's like at at what point it's it, this. And again, this is the most frustrating part is it's obviously somewhere in the middle, like it always is. It's never a hundred percent black or white. And you just kind of are left in this void where you're like, well, if we fire the defensive coordinator and we bring in another guy and we still suck, then it's like, uh, this is a big problem, but I I don't know. But where, like, where are you at with Scotty Hazleton? Are you, because I, I have now heard this from non Michigan state. It was always just a Michigan state bubble of fire Scotty Hazleton and our guys on eyes on big without being provoked by me at all. Like I have a lot of communication with them. I didn't say anything about this. And they they were shocked that when they recorded the podcast on Sunday, the after the weekend kind of recap the Big Ten slate, 
they were shocked that Scotty Hazleton hadn't gotten fired by the time they recorded. And that's those are two guys not affiliated whatsoever with Michigan State. Didn't really talk to anybody at Michigan State about it. That was just their view. So it's it's now bled past just Michigan State fans and has gone into like, no, this is a real thing that people are discussing. <laughs> like we like we like laughing at Iowa offense and Brian Ferentz and the ineptitude of of Iowa's offense. And to his credit, they've scored 27 points in two straight games, but I digress. Um, That's us now on defense, right? Like people are looking at this defense and they're like, I don't need nuance. I don't need to understand the ins and outs of what's going on in East Lansing. That defense is so bad that someone needs to be held accountable. And I, you to go back to your question how do i feel right now about scotty hazelton like either the players stink and there's no talent we're, we're 34th in the 247 talent composite right now so we know we have some talent somewhere the scheme could be broken but like you said it's not <laughs> we didn't reinvent the cover 3 uh the 425 and other teams have done it well which leaves you with the coaches who are supposed to be the synthesis of whatever talent you have and whatever scheme you're trying to put in place. And you got to work with the bodies you got. Like if we were 70th, if we were like a top, like somewhere in the 50 to 75 range of defenses, like that's not a good defense, right? Especially for a power five team. Like that's not good. But like, if we were in there, I'd be like, okay, you know, some injuries didn't go our way. We're still building up our talent base. Right. Got some tweaks to make. Maybe the the teams we're playing are a little stronger than we gave them credit for. And I'd be frustrated, but I'd be like, you know, maybe there's something we can build on here. This has been, at, for two years now, completely inept to the point that, like you said, we're, we now, we, we go into games on Saturdays and our defense takes the field and we just, like, just pause your your TV and you look at the field, but pre-snap and you're like, I have no idea how, how we could stop anything. Like, I don't know how this, and, this and ensemble of humans could stop those ones. And I, I put this into like other, you know, my head instantly, I think about other defenses and, and just the game of football, the, the entire sport of football. And I question, I'm like, how the hell do they do that? How the hell do defenses get stops? It's impossible. Like, clearly, look how much field there is to cover with 11 guys. Nobody can do it. It makes it makes <laughs> it the game of football. shook my belief so hard that I genuinely look at anybody playing defense. I'm like, how do you do that? It makes it's the amazing. game of football look like it was designed poorly. Like, right. like whoever designed it, like, okay, you got to make it harder on the offense because this is it's not balanced <laughs> enough the to rules like, or share this like, game with other people yet. Uh, keep workshopping it. Yeah, and... That's where I get frustrated, and that's where I'm like, okay, Scotty, my man, like, show us something. You know, like, what what could I be excited about? What could I say, oh, I still think he's got potential. I think there's just X and Y holding us back. Like, there's there's no positive. I was, I was frustrated before we started recording this because I was sitting here, and I'm like, nobody wants to sit here and listen to Kevin and I complain for an hour. Other than the garbage time touchdown drive, I couldn't think of a single no. positive. We forced one fumble. 
Well, fine. Maverick Hansen drove his guy back and got a paw on the ball and forced a fumble. Player of the game, Maverick Hansen. Right. Beyond that, that was it. And and here's so I you know I'll give my opinion. I am firmly on the fire Scotty Hazelton group. I it's it's over. It's done because of a couple things. One, the defense doesn't play with any confidence whatsoever. And if if you can't play confidently on defense, you're already lost. Who are the the best the best defensive players in NFL history? Like you think of the best of the what what do they all have in common? They were cocky sons of bitches. <laughs> because when you play defense, you have to be. Like there's no there's no way to justify like we were just talking about. Like think about how much ground you have to cover with a relatively small number of people to to do that effectively, you have to be cocky. You have to have a, a, a ridiculous level of confidence to play defensive back, especially. And we're just not playing with any of that. And I think a part of it is the the coaching staff. I you know it all falls under Scotty Hazelton defensively, but we'll just say it as the staff continues trying to fill square pegs into round holes and just continues to try to jam whatever players they have into this system that they have that for whatever reason through two years not a single one of their defenders has figured out yet and again i don't think you're running something that is unteachable or unlearnable is so sophisticated that even the most brilliant minds couldn't really pick it up. And if you were, that's a whole nother problem because why is it that complicated? It shouldn't be that complicated, but either way, it's just gotten to the point where like, look, the message isn't getting across whatever you are trying to teach. It's not being learned. And if, and if it's not being learned, then what's the point of even teaching it in the first place? And what's the point of having this guy teach it? Because it's just not working. Like if, if I'm, if I'm a calculus teacher in high school and every single one of my students fail, clearly that says something about me. And my principal is going to have a meeting with me and like, look, uh, everybody failed. And like, well, look, I, I taught it this way that I teach it and they're just not learning it. Look, like, what am I supposed to do? They're just not learning it my way. And then so the, the principal's like, okay, you know what? I'll give you another year. We'll, we'll figure this out. You have your system. I trust it. And then the next year, midterms come around, and the entire classes still have failing grades. And it's like, all right, at what point are we going to look at the teacher here and just say, like, whatever methods you're going with are not working. We got we to gotta move on to another teacher with a different message, and maybe that'll work. And where, where I think this gets really important at the end of the day, the lifeblood of a team, the lifeblood of football is the players. They're the ones on the field. They're the ones playing. And above all else, above winning games for your university, for your fans, for your legacy, your number one job as a college football coach is to put your players in a position to reach their potential, to reach their full potential. You are there to make them the best football players and 
also make the best football team out of those players that you can. That is what you get paid to do. And if you do that, the wins will come, the legacy will come, the fans will love you, but you have to make your players better. And where this gets dangerous as a program, if you're too loyal to one coach that's not succeeding, the players will lose hope. And when the players lose hope, you lose the locker room, your players start leaving, recruits don't want to come for you, you get a bad reputation among players and prospective players, and then then it spirals. We've seen it other places, and it is a horrible situation to be in it and that'll ruin a program for a decade right and because because here's what i fear and and to be very clear nobody is saying this to me i'm not hearing this from anybody just to get out ahead of it all right but what i fear is film room monday Scotty comes in and he's yelling at this guy for missing this assignment. And he's yelling at this guy for missing this assignment. And at what point, maybe it's already happened. Do they just check out? Like, I'm not listening to this idiot. Like, what has he done? What, what has he proven to us? This, this, we know that this, you know, the players in the locker rooms, behind the coach's back in the locker room after practice, whatever is like, you know, ragging on this, this isn't working. We got to play more man. We got to play more of this. We got to blitz more. Like why, why aren't we trying to do something? And, and then Scotty Hazleton in the film room, just yelling at him for, you know, it's just, and again, like that's not necessarily something that's happening. I'm just that, that is what I fear the most right now is just that total disconnect between player and coach and Mel Tucker talks about all the time, how he wants a player led team. The best teams are player led. And when you have coaches coming out in these press conferences after the games and saying, seeming to be very stubborn on the idea that we have a system that we know works and our players are not executing that system. There has been a lot of, Coaches throwing players under the bus this year, and it's not super direct, but it's there. And if I'm a player on that team, I am reading all of these quotes and listening to all these quotes and hearing the coaches say that it's my fault that we lost that game, right? Like if, because that's how I'm reading it as a fan, let alone if I was a player and, and I was taking that personal. I mean, I, because that's, that, that's what's killing me right now is Mel Tucker throwing these players under the bus, dude. I I really do not like that. To his credit, in today's press conference, he did finally say that there are some schematic things that he thinks they need to change. Now, we'll see what that means. Um, But yeah, I mean, you can't lose the players. You know, a coach is one man, and he's certainly only as strong as the belief the players have in him. So... Yeah, it's it's an important time. Uh, it's a tough time to be in this situation. We talked about you know our upcoming schedule, and you've got at Maryland. You have to show something this week because after this week, you've got Ohio State, you've got Wisconsin, and you've got Michigan. And I don't expect to win any of those games. I mean, we'll see what happens in the next four weeks and where we'll be then. Uh, things can turn around both directions quickly. 
Uh, not going to say they will, but Maryland went into Michigan and gave them trouble. And we're going into College Park, and it's we're already a touchdown underdog. But I mean, you look at this schedule, and you're like, you, I don't want to be two and six going to I mean, once you get to six losses with four games left, you, you got to win all four to make a bowl game, including at Penn State. Like this, this week is it. Like if we lose this week, yeah, bowl game is like super bleak. So maybe Minnesota and Washington up, both win their conferences. We'll see. But man, I mean, you, I don't, I don't even know where you turn from here. You know, I don't envy these coaches because I, nope. I don't know what you do at this point. You well, can't and, just and, install a new playbook. Yeah. And Mel Tucker saying he slept in his office three days last week or something like, I know that everybody is trying to win. Like I'm not, I'm not naive. And I, I understand that, the I don't know if you saw this uh, after week two or whatever in the NFL, Justin Fields got in some trouble because uh, in a press conference after a loss, he basically said like, you know, the, the fans, they don't put in the work that we do. So they don't feel the losses like we do, you know, and, and I try to be conscious of that. I know that I don't do any work throughout the season for, throughout the season for, for this team. So when we lose a game, I am bummed, man. I am in a bad place, but I know that that is nowhere near the depths that the coaches and players have because they work the entire careers to win that football game. And I know that Mel Tucker is trying to win. I know that Scotty Hazleton is trying to win football games. Like he's not actively trying to have bad defenses, you know, like, and, but you're getting paid $10 million a year. You got to make a decision. You got to fire him. Like at the end of that conversation, yeah. but it's just, sometimes things aren't working and it's frustrating, but as fans, I think this is kind of the, the PSA high horse of like, we got to remember too, that these we're all human beings. Right. And, and as bad as we're taking this, they're going to be taking it even harder. And as much as I can sit here and say, fire Scotty Hazleton, that's a, a man with a family that uprooted their lives to come to you. So like, I, I try to be conscious of that, right? Especially in the college game, but we got to make a change, man. Like it, when yeah. you come in here talking about winning national titles, what did Ohio state do this off season? The defense was bad last year to the point where they lost two games and they fired the defensive coordinator. No hesitation. Yeah. That's just, you, you gotta do it at this. If you're trying to compete with the big boys, you gotta cut ties with loyalty at a, at a certain yeah. point. And I have just, no doubt. I have no doubt. They're all great guys. I have no doubt. Um, they are, like you said, grinding themselves to the bone to find a way to win games. And I also want to acknowledge that they all know a hell of a lot, a oh. hell of a lot more about football than me. Like I know a, like the amount of football knowledge I have compared to any of those guys is like a grain of sand on earth. I said, I was saying this earlier that I would love to sit in on a film room session with, with Mel Tucker, Scotty Hazleton and Harlem Barnett, Barnett. Yeah. and just watch them watch 
the Minnesota film? And number one, just out of plain curiosity of like, what do they see going wrong compared to what I see going wrong? But number two, out of like genuine, I I would love to hear what they're saying about these because these are people who know so much more than me about the game of football. So like an immeasurable amount more than me about the game of football. And I would truly love to hear these conversations. Scotty Hazleton didn't just wake up this year and forget defense. Like, (laughs) trust me, he knows more about football than you. You listening, you, yes, you in your car, in your, he knows more. I promise you he knows more. All right. But again, it's just sometimes the message doesn't work one place and maybe we'll fire him. He'll move on to another job and coach a top five defense because the message will stick there and it didn't stick here. It might happen. Crazy things happen. But um, yeah, I don't know. That's the end of the the firing people ran. I don't like getting into those conversations, but it's just it's time. I, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, I mean, they talk about the standard right at Michigan state. That's Mel Tucker's whole thing. He's not comparing himself to any program or any other, anyone else, but they have a standard to live up to and our players aren't living up to it. And as a leader, you're accountable for the performance of those who you lead and the defense is just not there. And I mean, a certain part of it's like, listen, if, if Scotty's not, if they're trying to keep the target off Scotty's back, it, it goes to Mel. Like, and that's right. where we're at, right? Like the responsibility to lead this program is, is that's Mel Tucker's mandate. And if he wants this to be his staff, then, then the performances fall on his shoulders. And like, I, yeah, you can stand up there at the microphone and say, oh, I'm a shit football coach as much as you want. Is there anything like sadder as a fan than Dan Campbell did the same thing at his press conference after the Lions game? Then like your head coach of your team going to the microphone and being like, yeah, I cost us a game. Cause like, where do you go from there? Right. Like, great. So we just stink and that's it. All right. <laughs> right. <laughs> how do I, how am I supposed to feel about that? Like, uh, I, it's so frustrating. And that's why we're ranting like this, as much as we love bringing content to the people, this is also our forum to just get this out yeah. because our wives can only hear so much of it. <laughs> um, but man, Oh, we got to see it this weekend at Maryland. We got to see something. I don't need like lose the game, whatever, but let, yeah. show me something. I know, I know my fiance is thrilled that I have this podcast. Sometimes I know a lot of, most of the time she's not, let's be honest, but uh, every once in a while, instead of honey, what is this linebacker doing? Explain to me, watch this play. You know, like she doesn't want to hear that. That's why I have the podcast. Um, all right. Thank you listeners. We could do this for another hour easily, but we're not going to Scott. I want, rifle quick thoughts final thoughts if there hasn't been anything that you went to say we need a game ball and we need a player of the game (laughs) it is tradition we will do it every week we gotta do it um i have no idea who i'm gonna pick but (laughs) play the game i mean our touchdown uh jeremy bernard noah kim play the game uh player of the game you know what? I've been on the Kim Sanity train for years since he since he committed to Michigan State. And I don't care. I have receipts. If anyone wants to argue moment. with that, I started Kim Sanity. That man gave us the only glimmer of hope from that game. Play of the game, Noah Kim to Jeremy Bernard. Player of the game, Noah Kim, 75 yards of offense. I'm out. 
if if I'm breaking the rules, I if I we normally say you can't double up. I'm doubling up. I just I can't find any possible. You know what? Okay, player of the game, Cade McDonald. All right. <laughs> if we want to go different, we'll go different. Cade McDonald, three catches, thirty-one yards. Player of the game. Uh, play of the game. I'll go with. Um, I'll go with the Jack Stone extra point. Special teams matters. <laughs> hey, any final thoughts? Any parting thoughts here? Thank you if you made it this long. Um, if this is going to be how the season goes, we will. I promise we will try to figure out how to make these more. Positive. At a certain point, I'll get less sad and just accept it, and I'll start yeah. getting more analysis into it. But for Seriously, now, I'm sad. And I need if to you bet. made it this far, thank you. Um, you're you're the best, and I don't think I would have made it half this far. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean show me something at Maryland. It, it's a hobby at the end of the day, those guys, it's their job. So I do feel for the, all of them at the end of the day, this is a really tough place to be. If you're within the, the walls, the confines of the program. And um, I do hope our words don't make it into the program because they don't deserve that. They don't deserve <laughs> to hear that. They know it all. They've heard it all already. They're telling themselves all that when they go to sleep at night. So um, yeah. And do, far, on that note, you. as a quick, again, if you're still listening, I probably none of you are, but just Mel Tucker had a comment about it and it got me thinking a little bit too. just be don't be idiots on social media. All right. We can say all we want about the grown men in that building, but just don't don't be stupid. And Mel Tucker had a comment about like for the coaches, it's easier to block out the noise and social media and stuff because they're they're grown adults who didn't grow up in this world we got to remember that these are 18 year old kids, 20 year old kids who are on Twitter, who are on Facebook, who are on whatever Instagram and see your comments. And I know that that feeds the trolls, but just, just don't be stupid. The, the kids will see it more than you kind of think they will. And um, that's, that's it. End of, end of rant. Go green. The only reason we get so fired up is because we care and we love this team and we're, we're behind it. So like I said, I mean, the alternative is my view nowadays of the lions where I just, just, I, everybody's Sunday was ruined. I was watching red zone and my fantasy football team. So I'm like, eh, all right, lions lost. I, all right, Kevin, take us home. We got to put a nail in this coffin. Let's do it. All right. Thank you all so much. Subscribe, follow all that fun stuff. Until Wednesday, uh, quick, uh, uh, there might be some, we'll, we'll try to work around it. I will be traveling for work this week. They, they, just in case there are some problems um, scheduling wise, but we will be back on Wednesday previewing the Maryland game. We will be back on Friday with the picks. Until then, go green, go white. Take care, folks. <laughs>